If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as Lime Margarita and Grapefruit Paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Join me today for a special bonus episode with co-founder of Love Every, Jessica Rolfe. Jessica discusses why less is more when it comes to playtime, how she has cultivated independent play with her own children and hurdles we may face when encouraging our own children and much more. But before we get to the conversation, as always, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. I also wanted to quickly mention, for those of you who have picked up a copy of my book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity, I'd love to hear your feedback. So far, I've been really blown away by all the positive responses. I just wanted to say, if you've recently finished or are about to do so, would you do me a huge favor and leave a review on Amazon? It helps other readers find the book and prompts the publisher to print more copies to keep it in stock. Thank you so much in advance for your time with this, and I've included an easily accessible link in the show notes for you. Since this is a bonus episode, I typically don't share my minimalist moment of the week. So let's just get into this conversation with Jessica. Jessica, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Oh, I am so glad to be here. I'm really excited to have you here. As I said before we got on the call, I love, love every, and my sons have been using it since they were little. So I can't wait to pick your brain on how you started the company. And we're going to be talking today about fostering independent play and just the hurdles that can arise as we're trying to foster that independence. So I'm excited to have you here, but before we get there, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to listeners and we'll get started. Great. Yes. My name is Jessica. I am the co-founder and CEO of Love Every. And before I co-founded Love Every, I co-founded two other organizations. One is Happy Family and the other is the Climate Collaborative, um, which is a nonprofit um, that I co-founded. So um, Love Every... We started Love Every because parents just want to make the most of those early years with their children. You know, research shows that 80% of the brain is developed by age three. And there's all these kind of stressful statistics about only half of who we become is our genetics. The other half is this environment that we create for our children. And so um, that's a lot for parents. And that was a lot for me. And when I 
I discovered a doctoral thesis written on infant brain development that was so nerdy, but so empowering. And it was all these simple things that I could do with my baby that had nothing to do with the flashing light, light up toys, nothing to do with the stuffed animals. All the stuff that I had in my house really wasn't helpful for building his kind of neural networks and his brain and setting him up for success in life. And so, um, discovered, you know, kind of all these like ways to engage with my baby, also discovered what tools would be helpful for that engagement and started dreaming about kind of reinventing what we think of as a toy and creating an early learning program based on information that parents need at each stage, just what you need to know. We, you know, we did all the research, so you don't have to do it. And then these physical playthings that really are a reinvention of how we think of as a toy, but that are really helpful and complement a lot of the stuff that you already have in your home. Absolutely. I love toys that you can use imaginatively. And I feel like pretty much everything we've always had, uh, you can use for multiple purposes, but do you consider yourself a minimalist? What, what made you use that type of aesthetic, if you will? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's about the purpose. And so that if you distill down what you have in terms of the stuff in your environment, and that's, you know, for your child, it's about what is the purpose that that, that thing is serving in your child's world. So if it's really serving a very deep need for your child to practice posting, like whether they like to, you know, they like to poke little things into little holes at around like starting around like 12 months. And whether that practice is very intense and, and urgent for your child and like they're really into it and they want to do it over and over again and they only use that product for a month, that is meaningful. That is something that I want to have in my child's environment. It might also be something really open-ended. Like we have this tube and a lot of parents don't think of a plastic tube, the clear plastic tube as a toy, but it actually is this amazing tool for learning because a baby loves to understand this concept of containment starting around, um, you know, seven, eight months. They then kind of go on for almost two years. They, they really, you know, take interest in putting things into containers, taking things out of containers. So this tube can form a lot of, have a lot of different opportunities for learning throughout that time period. So you can pull scarves through the tube. You can put blocks through the tube. They can, you know, and then eventually learn how to stack um, the stacker and put the tube in with the stacker. So we try and kind of think about the core purpose and why you would have this um, item in as a physical item in your home and, and then how useful can it be, um, whether that's deep learning for a short period of time or really um, important learning for a long period of time. Sunnier days are here at last, and that means your kid's closet might need an update. Stitch Fix makes it easy with fresh options to let your kid's style shine, all within your budget. Stitch Fix Kids is the effortless way to get clothes that fit your kid and price range. Items start at just $10. I was able to create a spring capsule order for my daughter without spending a fortune, which was really helpful. From toddlers to picky teens, Stitch Fix Kids has growth spurts taken care of with sizes 2T to 18. There's no subscription required. Simply order a refresh as needed or set it and forget it with regular seasonal fixes. You are in control. So try today at stitchfix.com minimalist and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. That's stitchfix.com minimalist for 25% off when you keep everything in your kids fix. Stitchfix.com minimalist. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with HomeThreads. HomeThreads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. 
At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on home threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Let's talk about the topic at hand today, and that is fostering independent play and why less is more when it comes to playtime. So I want to know more about, I guess, what this has looked like in your own life and how you fostered independent play with your own kiddos. So ultimately, we want our children to be able to have resilience and be able to, you know, have a long attention span and focus on something for a while, be, you know, able to problem solve on their own and be creative thinkers. All of these things happen, can happen through independent play. We also have to have the right expectation of a child's attention span at each stage. And there needs to be, I think that children also learn a ton from parent-child engagement. And so for me, and what it's looked like for me is I've highly engaged when my children were little and babies and, and really young toddlers. And then a little bit by little bit, they've been able to stretch out their attention span and be able to play independently. And then around like three or four, it kind of became me not interrupting, kind of resisting the urge to step in and bother them with something that I was thinking about, asking them to do something, letting them really kind of have that, you know, talking to themselves. You know, we've always like found our children like talking to themselves, playing, really resisting the urge to interrupt that play. So it's it's changed over time. Some people would have said that I was a really engaged parent because I was reading all this research on neuroscience saying how you know, it's so helpful for babies to to hear their parent talking to them and have those kind of, they might coo back and then you have this back and forth interaction or, um, you know, as a child gets a little bit older, their toddler, you know, really kind of having them have meaningful like sensory experiences or setting up like, you know, activities for them. Like all of that has been very much like how I've approached parenthood. But I would say that because we haven't given them like the flashing lights toys and a lot of screen time, like we don't give them screen time, they've been able to kind of extend their attention span over time. And now my children will be happily, like they'll all like be reading or they'll like love to build a Lego set or we'll have long stretches of time where they're really happy and engaged in something that 
that is actually seems healthy from, from like an outside perspective and child development perspective, like that independent play is actually quite healthy. I can relate to a lot of what you're saying because I feel like we've created that foundation in our home too. We definitely lean more on screens in the winter time here in Columbus. So I'm not going to say that we don't do that, but I really feel like my kids are great at playing independently, but I've always, I don't want to say I've expected that out of them or that we just have cultivated that. But I know that I do have mom friends or even people that listen to the podcast that reach out and they're like, how do you get your kids to play like that? How can your son go out in the backyard and play for an hour by himself at three years old at two and a half, Benji will go out there and he'll just play. And I mean, I watch him from the porch or from the back door, but he just goes at it. So my question for you is, I'm sure that you have mom friends that have the same problem. Like, how do I get my kid to play independently? So what would your advice be to overcome some of those hurdles? Creating a playstations can be really helpful for them. So they can actually get overwhelmed with too much stuff. And so it's actually helpful to just really focus them and have them pull out a pair, like a block set not all the blocks in the house, but a set or, you know, like something to build with something to create. So like, you know, markers and pens or, or like paper, you know, something that you feel like safe, you know, you've got like a, like a, (laughs) a cover over the table. So you feel like safe with them kind of doing their own creation. And then you might pick like a third thing, like it might be a dollhouse or a garage or, you know, some cars or some dolls. And so if you set out these three things, it's sort of an invitation for them to engage and play and see kind of what they might select. So I think in the beginning, they do need that scaffolding. You can't really just kind of like, like, I love it that you can just send your kids outside. I love that. And I think that eventually we can get there, but it depends on their age. And I think in the beginning, you know, just helping them setting, setting them up with some PlayStation, setting up with some things that may not be always available, um, helping to rotate toys in and out. So the Montessori philosophy of like less is more research actually shows that children will have deeper more meaningful play if they have less stuff. Um, and the typical home, you know, for, for children with toys is just, it's a lot. So they walk into their playroom and there's just so many different things out and available to them. They honest, honestly don't really know where to focus. So that's one piece of advice for younger children, for like babies, I would say that just giving them some time where they struggle, they, you know, just maybe not, don't go, go in and kind of assist right away, letting them sort of grunt on their bellies, trying to get that, you know, that wobbler um, that they really want, or, you know, the rolling bell or whatever it is, just giving them a few more seconds. It's not like minutes or, you know, 10 minute increments at all. Um, and you know, that when they're really crying, you really want to respond to them, but letting them struggle just a little bit and having a little bit of space to problem solve can be really helpful um, for building that in that capacity for independence. I would say also that I think that much as we can delay screens, that screens can create that sort of dopamine response where you expect something really exciting to happen. And so it makes the real world kind of feel dull. Um, so especially I notice if if I if my children have um, can watch a show or watch a movie. They they really aren't. They need to kind of regulate again afterwards. They're not. There's are not the same as before. I put on that show, and so I think it's really important for them to you know as much as you can delay or minimize screen time. You're going to build up your child's capacity for finding the the elements of real life interesting that don't have flashing screens and flashing frames and lots of things happening. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that with myself and my phone, my phone usage. I will test myself and say, okay, you're not going to pick up your phone when you're reading. You're going to try and read through 45 minutes without it, picking that up and checking it. Going back to talking about 
just little increments of time. It doesn't have to be a long time and they can handle it. And I have high expectations because I know they can do it. And it's not like militant or anything, but that personality difference I know does affect how comfortable you are with the, what you're letting your kids do in regards to independent play. But yeah, I'm curious to know, and we've kind of already talked about this, but why do you think less is more when we're taking that approach to fostering independent play and just allowing them to do so? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's all goes back to kind of the neuroscience around attention and building attention span. And so if we think about our own attention spans. If we have, you know, 10 things that are in front of us that are really exciting, we might bounce from one thing to another and not build some, some ability to, to really have sustained focus. This is something that I'm actually honestly working on with my daughter. So she's grown up in an environment where my two, her two older brothers are constantly interrupting. They, they have something they want to show her. They're really, you know, high energy, really highly, you know, kind of demanding of their parents and also of, you know, kind of always into something. And so I worry that her attention span is, is not been able to be as developed because she hasn't had that sort of ability to have a calm environment where she can just focus on one thing. So it's about setting them up for success, not having too much out at any one time. I think that the, the counterbalance of that is, is children do crave novelty and they like to, you know, practice new things. I think we have a lot of ideas at Love Every on DIY activities, ways to remix products in with things that you might already have um, that create a new use for something that you already have. I think that it's also about having, making sure that the items that you have in terms of this stuff don't do too much work for the child. So the more work that the that the pro, that the toy does, the more it lights up, the more it like activates, the more it does something for them, then the less active they are in play. And so it's really good to, that there's a concept of open-ended toys. So it's really helpful to have children have like the magnet tiles or Legos or blocks. You know, I really love blocks because they show, teach a child about the basics of um, engineering physics. We've kind of lost sight of blocks. We have a block set at Love Every that's really trying to reinvent, you know, kind of how we think of, of, of blocks and bring them back into parents' homes. Because if, you know, if a Lego kind of clicks together or, you know, magnetile or whatever it is, creates its own structure, they're not learning about balance in the same way. So a simple set of blocks. I love Kiva planks. Those are great too. Um, for that open-ended play, I think that, you know, that, that less, um, less is more really plays out in, in neuroscience too. Yeah. Even you mentioning 10, having 10 items, I think about my own to-do list when I have chores around my house, when you just focus on one task and like move through it, as opposed to like seeing everything in your house that has to be done at once. Can we say that's kind of the same thing? There's a correlation there. Absolutely. And I think that's what your podcast helps us with is like, how do we break down what we are, you know, this bigger, you know, aspiration around minimalism Mm -hmm. and then bring it into our lives. Okay. Here's one tip. Here's one thing that I can do. Here's an action I can take. Um, You then gain a lot of confidence by taking that one action. And then you, you build that, you build that muscle in your brain that says, I can focus on something. I can have an outcome. I can do something. And then that gets reinforced kind of the more focus. I find sometimes if my child's room is really messy, I'll sort of say, let's just pick up only the um, underwear 
yeah. you know, on the floor. Let's figure out, let's just pick up the blue toys. Mm-hmm. Um, any toys that are blue, let's put the blue ones in the bin. So to just try and help them focus. I've heard of parents, even at a, there was a parenting coach at one time that it had some like painter's tape and just taped around one tiny section of the room and said, let's just clean up inside this, these, this tape. Let's put away the things in this tape Mm -hmm. Um, because it can be overwhelming. And then we end up doing nothing or we end up kind of wandering around. And, you know, if if we're a kid, you know, we just, we struggle to focus and and get something done. So, yeah, I usually do. Let's pick up five things or count. I give them a number because they've, when I've expected my children. So here's where my expectations can be a little much, but if I'm like, Hey, Charlotte, clean your room. She needs uh, instruction on how to get there. She can do it. Even if I write out a list, cause she can read now. So she just needs to know how to do it. And then she's gotten better and she strengthened that muscle. But even with Martin, it's like, okay, Martin, we're going to clean up the magnet tiles right now. But if I'm like, clean your room, I think it's just so overwhelming sometimes these, like, I don't know what to do. What does that mean? Like, how do I clean my room? So I I think instruction is so important. All right. Well, is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to make sure that you shared with the listeners today? Yeah, no, I I guess the last thing I would say is that I worried when my babies and children were young, that they were going to be too dependent on me for stimulation and interaction because I was giving them so much interaction and they, they were so kind of demanding of my attention. Like I had really, you know, before they could even talk, you just tell, they really wanted me to read them a book. They really wanted me to engage with them and play. I think that, you know, the way that we're wired, we do crave as humans a lot of, we need adults to learn in the early stages of life. And I'm talking about, you know, from zero to like two, three years old, like we're really looking to the caregivers in our world to interact with. And that kind of interaction is how we're building the foundation for brain architecture for learning. I would say that even though I gave them this sort of like a lot of engagement early on, my kids now are very um, independent. And I would just give parents the peace of mind that even if they're not there yet, even if their child's attention span hasn't you know, grown, even if they can't go out like your little one, you know, go out to play outside and just play for, you know, 45 minutes or an hour, that it's about micro improvements and micro moments where you notice them playing on their own. And you just resist the urge to interrupt or get them to go to the next thing. Or, you know, there's so many activities now in our life. You're kind of taking a step back, just slowing down a little bit, letting them grow that expansion in their brain around attention, that it will get to a great spot. So I think I just want to, you know, give parents peace of mind that they're, you know, they're on the right track and to not expect too much of our little ones. Um, But they will get there when they're, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Well, this was so helpful. Where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online or where they can check uh, Love Every out? Yes. So it's loveevery, L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com is our website. And we have Instagram, Love Every. We have a weekly email series that talks about independent play and all sorts of you know topics that we've covered today. So as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. So the doctoral thesis that was written that became the inspiration for Love Every was unpublished at the time. I'm happy to send them to anyone who, who wants to see a copy. It's so interesting. It talks about all these activities and every stage your baby is going through zero to 18 months. Um, you can just DM me on Instagram, Jessica Rolf, R-O-L-P-H, and I'll send you a copy. All right. My last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Choline. 
I'm obsessed with the nutrient choline for brain health for all stages of life, especially if uh, for pregnant moms, it's really proven to enhance memory in, in infants. And I, I just talked to the researchers at Cornell that did a longitudinal study on attention span actually for children and supplementing with choline. So um, really can't stop talking about the nutrient. Is that, so is that a supplement? Or are you getting that in foods? So you can both. get it in foods. You can get it. I do both. So okay. you can get it in foods. It just, it's hard to get um, the amounts that's the recommended amount. And actually research shows that even more than the recommended amount is really beneficial for brain health. So I take it in a supplement form and it's the richest form of choline is found in eggs. So oh. yeah. So a pregnant person or a, or a nursing mom needs between 450, 450 and 550 milligrams a day. Um, an egg has 150 milligrams. Um, children need a couple hundred milligrams. You can kind of look up the recommended okay. amounts, but it's a really great nutrient. And I've discovered it when I was pregnant with my first, because I was doing some new research on nutrition and just can't, can't say enough about it. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's helpful to me as well. So Jessica, I really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Diane. Great to meet you. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.